Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Read half the chapter today. We're just going to read a few verses and then we'll pick up on some more verses later. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea. Hi, oh, Brett Pauscher, men's ministry leader. Uh, okay, well, verse 34. No, not that either. Amen. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Let's find that one. I'm going to give them time to find it. It's all right. There we go. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. If that's the worst thing that's going to happen in church today, then guess what? It's been a good day, right? <laughs> Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Now, don't miss, it said in verse 2, he was a devout man. He feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously. He prayed to God always. Cornelius was so awesome that an angel even showed up to talk to him. That's pretty good, isn't it? Well, my sermon today is good is not enough. Good is not enough. So why don't we pray? Father, thank you again for this opportunity to be in your house and to hear your word. I ask right now every heart to be open. Help us, Lord, to receive and gladly receive the word of God. We ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Don't forget, ask the Lord to speak to your heart and he will. He will. Now, for the last month, I've shared with us why Acts chapter 10 is such an important chapter in the Bible. It is the opening of the door of the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, I want to back up just a little bit here today before we close out Acts chapter 10. And I want to focus on the main character of this chapter, a man by the name of Cornelius. Now, for those of you who are not with us last week, let me just quickly recap a little about who he was. He was a man of significance who lived in Caesarea, uh, which was a city that was the capital of what was then the Roman province of Judea. He was a military man. He was a commander of a regiment of soldiers of about 100 men. Uh, but more than just being a good soldier and a good leader, the Bible says that he was a devout man. He was a God-fearing man. 
He believed in the one true God, and he followed many of the moral and the ethical teachings of the Jews and Judaism. But somewhere during his life, this man had begun to worship Jehovah God, the God of Israel. Now, up to this point, let me just remind you that there was no offer or no effort made for salvation to be offered to the Gentiles or to be presented to the Gentiles. The Jewish people were of the opinion that no Gentile could enter into the kingdom of God or be saved unless they were circumcised and became obedient to the law of Moses. But now, today, in Acts chapter 10, all this is going to change. Cornelius was already a good man. Bible says he was a devoutly religious man. He was committed to his faith. He was diligent in his worship of God Almighty. He was God-fearing. He revered God greatly. He respected God. He honored Him. The Scripture said He gave much alms. Or in other words, He was generous with His giving. He was a generous giver. He didn't look at what He had or didn't have. He gave, and He gave from His heart. The Scripture also said He was a man of prayer. He prayed to God always. He prayed without ceasing. Cornelius didn't do this alone, but apparently he also instilled this into the life of his household. Everybody in his house followed the way of life of Cornelius. He was a good leader of his family. But even though he was seemingly where he thought he needed to be, and I don't want you to miss this because I believe I'm speaking to somebody today. Even though he thought maybe he was a good man by anybody else's measure, his good was not enough. Amen? Amazingly, despite his checklist of all his qualities, there was something further that Cornelius had to do. His religious behavior was not enough. His good deeds were not enough. His prayers were not enough. His good was not good enough. There was more that was needed in his life. You know, I believe it was the sincerity of this man, Cornelius, that allowed him to get his visitation from God in the first place. It was his heartfelt desire to please God, even in his incomplete condition. And that's what caused God to call him out and to offer to show him the full plan of salvation. But I don't want you to miss this. Make no mistake. This presentation that Cornelius was about to receive was not something that he could just take or leave. Amen? This was not a, you can do this if you want to, Cornelius scenario. Please understand that this was not just a proposal that was going to be some spiritual upgrade to Cornelius 2.0. This was not going to just be an improvement of your current spiritual status. This was not just going to be an added source of power and strength because Cornelius, when Peter shows up at your house, he's going to tell you that there's something else you must do because your good is not good enough. Now, it would be indispensably necessary for his good standing with God in the future that he obey what God was leading him to do 
this day. I don't want you to miss this. It's very important to understand because now that God had revealed himself through Jesus Christ, now that the end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit had begun to take place as Jesus himself had promised before he was crucified, now that they were living under the new covenant or the new testament, by the way, in case you don't know this, Old Testament means old covenant. New Testament means new covenant. They were now living in a new promise or a new dispensation, a new relationship between God and man. They had come through this little transitional period, but now what used to get you in doesn't get you in. Does that make sense? The old warranty, the old covenant, the old promise was fading off the scene, and now there's this new plan in place. Cornelius, you were great under the old, but now I'm going to challenge you with something new. Cornelius, your prayers are not enough, your alms are not enough, your giving is not enough until and unless you embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, I want you to understand, we are living in a world that has lots of religion. We got some crazy religion, we got some twisted up religion, we got a lot of, but you want to know why there's so much religion? I'm going to tell you why, because there's a lot of people that are hungry for something. Come on, there's a lot of people out there that want something real. They want something that can change their life. They are searching. But you know what? So many people are not happy with where they are spiritually. I have found that religious behavior does not bring happiness. But a real experience with Jesus Christ will. Amen? Come on, I'm going to help you in here today. As a matter of fact, <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting over a little cold. As a matter of fact, religious behavior without a relationship with Jesus really is a form of bondage in and of itself. And I, I could tell you about that another time. So make no mistake, a religious reputation or a denominal affiliation or just going to church because your grandma went to church and your mama went to church, so you're going to go to church, that is not enough. That will not save you. You can identify as something, but really not be something. Amen? So many in our world today have also bought into the lie that being a good person is enough to get you into heaven. See, religion won't get you in, but I hate to tell you, also being a good person is not going to get you in either. Or following whatever path you choose, as long as you are sincere, will get you in. I've had people tell me that. Well, they're so sincere. Sometimes you can be sincerely wrong. Amen? But there is no way, hear me, to be saved other than Jesus Christ. And can the church say amen to that? But I want you to understand, God's grace is not something that we earn by good works. Let me say that again. Just God's grace is not something we earn by good works. God's grace is not something that we earn by good intentions. The gospel is a free gift to those who will accept it. Now, when the angel gave Cornelius a directive in prayer, he obeyed it. He sent for the apostle Peter, who came and preached the gospel message to him and to his family. And Cornelius knew he was not just hearing something that Peter made up or something that Peter wanted to give him. He knew that what Peter was telling him was something that was coming straight from God. Listen to what he told Peter in Acts chapter 10, verse 33. Here's the next verse. Throw it up on the screen for me. 
It says, so I sent for you at once. This is Cornelius talking to Peter. And it was good of you to come. Now, we're all here. I gathered my family, some of my friends. We are waiting before God, notice, to hear the message that the Lord has given you. Peter, an angel came and told me to get you. So my assumption is you have heard from God and you're going to speak to us something significant and we're all here to hear the message that the Lord has given you. Peter, we are waiting to hear the message that God has given you because apparently there is something else I need to do. Apparently my good is not good enough. We're waiting and we're ready. So what was the message that Peter shared with them? It's important that we understand that. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 34. We're going to read a few verses. If God told Cornelius, go get Peter, because he's got a message for you, and if Peter has already heard from the Lord, it's probably pretty important to see what Peter says right here. Acts 10, 34. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. We talked about that four weeks ago. Amen. No partiality. Verse 35. In every nation, he accepts those who fears him and do, thank you, and do what is right. Verse 36. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Verse 37. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in, Ga in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Hallelujah. By the way, don't you love when a preacher can just quickly get to his point? <laughs> It's taken Peter 90 seconds, and he's already said, you know what Jesus did. Let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you about it. And they, they crucified him, and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, verse 41, not to the general public, but to us, whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. And notice verse 43. He is the one of all the prophets that all the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his Name. Why don't you just give God a praise for that right now? Hallelujah. There it was. Cornelius, you sent for me. I'm here. I just delivered it to you. I want you to know that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. The gospel message presented 
to the Gentiles. And I want to remind you here, Life Church, it is the same message that is presented to us here today, verse 43, that everybody who believes in him can have their sins forgiven through the name of Jesus Christ. It is the only saving name under heaven. Amen. Thank God for the name of Jesus. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God that he still saves lives today. That's what the Bible tells us. Cornelius knew that Peter was bringing him the rest of the story. Cornelius had probably already heard. Matter of fact, Peter said, you already know this. You heard about what Jesus has done. You heard about all the things. But maybe Cornelius had never really connected the dots before today. Maybe he had uh, had to be challenged by the word of God. But I want you to don't miss this. Look what happened. Before Peter could even get through with his sermon, before Peter could even call the musicians and the praise team forward, before Peter could even say, in conclusion, notice what happened as Cornelius and his family and friends received the gospel. Acts 10, 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, while Peter was still preaching, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, notice, they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Now notice, I I don't want to blaze through this and you miss it. Peter brought a bunch of Gentile guys with him. Peter brought some other preachers and some elders with him because he said, I want to make sure you guys know what I'm doing. I want to make sure you guys see what's going on. And the Bible says that while Peter was still preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them. And the Gentiles that were there, I'm, I'm sorry, the Jews that were there were shocked. They were astonished. That, on the, that the gift of the Holy Spirit was being poured out on the Gentiles. Now, how did they know that the Gentiles were receiving the Holy Spirit? Look at verse 46. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. You want to know why it shocked them? Because they immediately went right back in their minds to what happened to them on the day of Pentecost. They immediately thought, these guys are experiencing the same exact thing that we did in the upper room. They heard them speaking with tongues and praising God. So, was this enough? Apparently not. Look what happened next in verse 47. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized in water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Peter says, look guys, he probably was frankly just as much astonished as they were. He said, surely nobody now can stand in the way of Cornelius and all these people being baptized with honor. They have just received the Holy Spirit just as we have. By the way, notice he didn't say they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said they just received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And now notice what Peter does in verse 48. So he ordered them that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them For a few days. Notice, they heard the message of the gospel. They were told if they believed, they could be forgiven. 
But then in the middle of the preaching, something significant happened. They got the rest of what God wanted them to do. Not just the message of Jesus, but Cornelius, you're a devout man. You fear God. You give. You pray. Now, in the middle of all that, he received and experienced the new birth and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit baptism right there on the spot. He believed and the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell on them and everybody knew it was the same Holy Spirit because the Bible said in verse 46, they heard them speaking in tongues. Now, let me just interject something right here. Too many churches, and I'm just going to say too many denominations, and I'm not going to call any by name, they have shied away from talking about the Holy Spirit baptism and speaking in tongues because truthfully it seems a little bit spooky. It sounds kind of mystical, doesn't it? It sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Amen? But guess what? It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Let me interject something else to you. It crosses a lot of theological lines that many preachers are afraid to breach because they don't want to offend people and run them off. Did you know... Telling all truth aside, me right now talking about speaking in tongues. Some of you might be visiting and you might be going, well, I won't be back there anymore. I just got to ask you, why not? What does your Bible say? What does your Bible say? Amen. If it's in the book, especially if it's in the new covenant part of the book. Come on, somebody, help me right now. Why would we be afraid of everything that God has for us? Oh, come on, somebody. Peter said, if you believe, you can be forgiven. And while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell. They began to speak with other tongues. And Peter said, you might as well be baptized now too. Hallelujah. I need to challenge a Cornelius in this room today. I'm glad you believe in Jesus, but don't stop there. I'm glad you're a good person, but your good works are not enough. I'm glad you're on your search for truth. I'm glad that maybe you've experienced all kinds of religion, all kinds of stuff. But let me tell you something. Anything outside of Jesus Christ is going to lead you down the wrong path. Let him fill you full of the Holy Spirit. But notice, it didn't even stop there. Peter said to everyone there, but mainly it was the group of people that came with him. He said, they received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And it was almost like he was daring him. He said, no one should stand in the way of them being baptized. And you know why he had to state that? Because they didn't want to baptize the Gentiles. But now Peter said, guess what? If Jesus put his seal of approval on them, why can't we? Now I want you to notice, I know I'm digging into some doctrine today. I'm digging into some word today. But I want you to notice Acts 10, 48. From the NIV it says, so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he must have did a good job preaching because they asked him to stick around a few days. Amen. They asked Peter to stay with them a few days. 
That's from the NIV. Notice, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. From the King James and the New King James, it says it this way. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. From the New Living Translation, it says this. He gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The New Century Version says it this way. He ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. People ask me all the time, Pastor, why do you baptize people in the name of Jesus Jesus Christ. It's real simple because that's how they did it in the Bible. That's how Peter ordered for it to be done. So I'm not going to do it any other way. Now I could build a case on this, but I'm just quoting one passage of Scripture to you today. Baptism was something he commanded them to do. And he commanded that it be done in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we do it in Jesus' name because that's how they did it in the Bible. That is why we encourage every believer. Now, I won't command you, but can I just be real? If the Apostle Peter were standing in this pulpit right now, that's exactly what he would do. Everybody wants a New Testament preacher. I'm not sure you really want one because Peter would go, I command you to be baptized in the name of the Lord. I command you to repent of your sins. Now, I'm not Peter. So I'm going to tie my hands, and I'm just going to tell you what Peter did. He said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Let every person who believes and repents, or just like in this story of Cornelius, every person who believes, repents, and is filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you should also be baptized. Let me just throw this in real quick. I know two weeks ago we had Baptism Sunday, but we can baptize you today. We can baptize you today. Because hear me, being good is not enough. I'm just reading right out of the Bible to you. I'm reading straight from the book of Acts to you. Peter said, great Cornelius, you've accepted the gospel. Great Cornelius, you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I command you, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So just like they did, as a matter of fact, if you want a New Testament preacher, I command you, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ if you've not already done so. See, folks, we can't be afraid of the Word of God. We all come from different backgrounds and different theological backgrounds, and and we've got all this religious junk that filters down through us. Let me just ask you a question. What would you believe if all you had was your Bible? What experience would you pursue if you didn't have to filter it through Grandma's religion? Or what Uncle Pete's pastor said? Or frankly, what Pastor Buddy says. What would you believe if all you had was the Word of God? What would you believe if all you had was the New Testament? What would you believe if all you had was the book of Acts? Because your good and my good is not enough. It's not enough. I want the band and the praise team to come. Lord, why didn't you just pour out the Holy Ghost like you did on Cornelius? Just have them all speaking in tongues, God. Amen. I want you to stand with me right now. Some of you right now, I, I can feel it. Some of this, some of this is rubbing up against your, your theology. Is the Lord giving you a Cornelius moment today? Is he trying to build on where you're at and take you where you need to be? 
Peter shared with Nicodemus and his family, hear me, the same message that he preached on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, look what Peter said. On the day of Pentecost, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Notice all that's right there with Cornelius in Acts 10. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. To be honest with you, the King James and the King James and the New King James didn't do us any favor when they put the word remission in there because it's really not a strong enough word. This is what the word remission means. People get confused about it. It means for the forgiveness of your sins. Repentance and baptism work together in some mystical, beautiful way to help us wash away those sins forever. In Romans, it says you're buried with Christ. But when you come up, you're a new creature. In verse 39, here it is. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. I wonder if he even knew right then that he was talking about Cornelius. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Cornelius, the promise was for you too. And the promise is to anybody who wants it. I'm here to tell somebody, you're a believer. God wants to fill you with the baptism of His Spirit if you've never been Holy Spirit filled. Amen. If you have never been baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider being baptized just like they did in the Bible. You don't need a baptism Sunday. You don't need to gather a crowd. All you need is the Word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and a heart that is willing to obey. That's all you need. As a matter of fact, right now, I'm going to tell you, if you feel prompted, I want you, Gary, raise your hand over in the corner. I want you to go to that room over there to my right, to my left and your right, and we can baptize you today. Matter of fact, we just filled the tank up this morning with fresh, clean water. Somebody, God's talking to you. Your good works have left you empty. Your religion so far has left you longing for more. You're here today because you know that there's got to be more to serving God than what you've experienced so far. You may even already consider yourself a believer. But as Paul asked the disciples in Acts chapter 19, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I'm not going to preach about it today. Go to Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? See, because there's more to God than just an empty, lifeless experience. Come on, there's more to being a Christian than just coming to church and enduring just week after week. Come on, somebody. God gave us an overcoming, abundant life. Amen. It is joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. It is full of glory. You can have your life empowered and be born of the Spirit by being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Whatever term you like, it's the same thing. See, because good is not good enough. And good religion is not good enough. Because our religious world wants more. And guess what? You can have it today. You can have it today. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Peter in chapter 11 begins to describe to the other disciples and apostles what happened at Cornelius' house. He had to go back and give an account for what took place. 
because they were first offended that he went and preached to the Gentiles. But I want you to look at what Peter said when he gave a recap of what happened at Cornelius' place. Acts 11, 12 through 14. Said, and Peter's telling them what happened. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here, my witnesses, Peter's right then thinking, I'm glad I brought these guys. These six brothers here accompanied me, and we soon entered the home of a man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home, and he told him, send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. Now notice verse 14. Don't miss it. Peter's telling you what his mission was. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. Peter was on a mission not just to make him Cornelius 2.0, not just to make him the good Roman soldier who was a good Judaizer, who was a good follower of Judaism. Now we're going to introduce a little bit of this new stuff. No, 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 no. Peter said, God sent me there to tell him how to be saved. So it behooves us to look at Acts chapter 10 and say, what did Peter tell him to do? And then what happened to them? Peter said, if you'll believe, repent and believe, uh, your sins can be forgiven. And then the Holy Ghost took care of the rest. The Holy Ghost came, baptized them, and then Peter said, uh, baptized them with the Spirit. And then Peter said, you need to be water baptized. So I'm just going to say it as nice as I can. If your experience doesn't align with that, you need to pray and say, God, I'm ready for the next level. I'm ready for whatever you might have for me. Because I recognize today my good is not good enough. Peter told him, he said, he's religious, he's a worshiper of Jehovah, he's a good guy, but it's not enough. And until I showed up and preached the truth to him, he and his house were not yet saved. You want to know the reason so many religious people are so unhappy? It's because that's all they got is religion. They don't have a relationship. They don't have an experience. They don't have an empowerment. They don't, they're not walking in covenant. Many in the religious world have even confessed Jesus or believed in Jesus, but they have not experienced all that God has for them, so they feel empty. Life Church, our world and our religious world needs to have a revival. Come on, somebody. We need to have a revival like they had in the house of Cornelius. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. The city of Richmond needs a Cornelius revival, amen, where every hungry heart is filled and empowered, where every soul finds what they're longing for. God, Jesus, we need a book of Acts revival. Lord, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, even if it crosses theology, I want to proclaim in this house, we want a Holy Ghost fire to fall on us. We want to be consumed with your glory. We are not ashamed to identify with your name. We will take on your name in baptism. We will call out your name when we pray. We will worship your name, oh God. Send it to us, God. We don't want to just be a good church. We want to be a Holy Ghost church. We don't want to just be good people. We want to be on fire for God, people. 
We don't want to just be believers. We want to be spirit-empowered believers. And right now, real quick, I'm not going to beg you to come. If that's your prayer, if you want to be more than just a follower, you want to be a fired-up follower of Jesus, come out from where you are right now. Step out from your altar right now. Prayer team, come on up. Come on, step out from your chair and say, God, I want you to touch me with fresh power. God, I want you to give me a fresh anointing. Come on. God, I want the Holy Ghost to fall fresh in my life. Maybe you're already a spirit-filled believer, but you need a fresh touch. Ask God to rekindle the fire in your heart. Come on, somebody. Maybe you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Ask God to give it to you right now. Maybe you've never been baptized. We will baptize you today. Because you're good. It's not good enough. All over this house, let's begin to worship him. Come on. Let's begin to cry out to God. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less when you can have more. Come on, don't stop it. Go. Come on. Don't stop it believing. God wants to fill you. God wants to anoint you. God wants to bless you. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your glory. Fill me with your glory.